Hello, and welcome to the first edition of the Colts Cover 2 Podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I am joined, as always, by Nate Atkins. The Colts lose 29-23 to in a game that uh, honestly ended up a lot closer than I think most of us expected. Um, the way it started out, Colts were in a 23 to nothing hole early in the third quarter. Anthony Richardson brought them back before ultimately Matt Stafford ended up winning. I, I think my big takeaway is we, we kind of talked about where I want to start the podcast before we get into the categories. We talked last week about like what what to expect from this key team. You know, does winning two games in a row, like does that alter the expectations for this team? I think today was sort of a good, maybe not good, that's the wrong word for it, but today was a, a reminder that there are still issues on this team that are going to come up uh, at inopportune times. I think two of them, this is what I wrote about today, uh, were the inexperience at cornerback, the inexperience at, on, at the backup offensive line. I thought both of those things ended up costing the Colts pretty badly in a game that, made, that it turned out they could have won. Um, and, and so I think that that's part of what's going to happen going forward. I, I would say that from what we've seen from Anthony Richardson so far, both today and overall, is I think he's been better than most people expected and maybe gives them a better chance than most people expect to win games. Some of these other spots on the roster uh, are essentially asking him to be, you know, like a star right away <laughs> for them to contend in the playoffs. And and I, I don't think he's he's quite that consistent yet, which they expected. I, I just kind of think that going through it, like this might come back up in a category, but I don't care. So that's the whole point of the First Impressions podcast is it's right off the cuff. Like I know the Colts went into this season thinking um, it's a transitional year. It's a rookie quarterback. We're probably not going to be super successful right away. But they didn't really – put stuff in place to take advantage of it if they have chances like they had a chance to be three and one they really do they really did have a chance today to be three and one and some of these other spots hurt them pretty bad yeah that's kind of where I'm at with it is that we could certainly nitpick parts of Anthony Richardson's game he finished 11 of 25 you know he had a chance to win the game it was his first chance to lead a game-winning drive they ended up going three and out so it was like in a in a passing league you know there were some shortcomings at the quarterback position but they're all shortcomings that should be expected for a rookie quarterback you know who's played before this game like five quarters and he is the reason he is the guy who gave them a chance now he can't carry this whole team though and that's kind of what today was evident by I was impressed by how they came back from being down 23 nothing you know it's just like Nothing was going right for them at all in the first half. They just had no life on either side of the ball, and someone was going to have to sort of lift them. And I've talked about that in recent weeks where it just feels like they're short of that sort of upside on offense. They have been in recent weeks where it's just like, who's going to be the, the playmaker, the explosive life? And I thought Anthony Richardson was that. That's that's a big reason they came back. I mean, there's other reasons. Their defense was giving them more of a chance, but – Anthony Richardson's ability to kind of evade that pressure from Aaron Donald, which was constant, get out of trouble, scramble around. He had 56 yards rushing, uh, you know, ran for a touchdown, it, but also to you know create plays down the field to Mo Ali Cox and to uh, Alec Pierce. These explosive plays that set that led to touchdowns. Like that's the stuff that we have not seen very much from the quarterback position, frankly. I've almost not seen it at all from this team that I've covered since I got here midseason 2021 was kind of when they started to hide the passing game and I've really never seen them throw the ball like that so that like I think you, you step away from this game feeling like it it doesn't fall on Anthony Richardson outside of the fact that you know in a quarterback league it, it is about who the best quarterback is and yeah he wasn't he wasn't better than Matthew Stafford but that should not be the expectation he's he's got to get a little bit more support here and you know, in some ways he got it, but not at the places where they needed it most. The real premium positions that are just killing this team right now would be, you know, left tackle when they have an injury to Bernard Ryman right now, and then cornerback. Just uh, a little too much for a rookie to overcome. We can get into it. Let's, we'll just jump right into the categories here. They, they lost, so we're going to start with Nate's favorite category, uh, villain of the game. Again, just as a reminder – 
and, and to try to soothe Nate's soul a little bit. This is like an MCU villain. They they they, they mean well, but things go wrong for them. I, I'm gonna I'm just gonna start and let Nate think about it a little bit. I, the secondary, I think, is a big takeaway for me in, in this game. They, they there were receivers wanting wide open quite a bit. Um, Juju Brents was saying after the game that. Uh, the Rams did a lot of stuff to keep them from formationally and the way they handled uh, every and the way they shifted and stuff. They did a lot of stuff to keep them from getting hands on the receivers. Um, you expect that from Sean McVay. That's that's his calling card. He's a, he's a very good offensive coach. Um, but ultimately, I thought, especially as the game got down into the into the overtime stretch, um, there were opportunities for the pass rush, and Stafford danced away from some of them, but. There were also open receivers for him a lot, um, and it took some of the the chances. I don't, I don't think the pass rush was as good today as it has been, but there were there were chances for the pass rush to make plays that that he had open receivers. I went back and checked his time to throw. It was two point eight two, not not perfect for the pass rush, but there was too much. It was too easy for them in the passing game too often. Fourteen of eighteen in the first half um, moved them pretty well. Uh, I, I thought that they. You know, Puka Nakua, everybody knows coming in that he's going to get the ball, end up with nine catches for 163 yards. And and then on the touchdown, on the touchdown, not not to single out Juju Brents because I think it, it goes to everybody in the secondary, but he made a mistake um, just flat out. He told us that he told us that um, it's his job to take the high the high cut in a bunch formation like that. And if you go back and watch it, you can see him and Kenny Moore both go with a quick out. And and then after Nakua makes the catch, you kind of see Kenny like raise his hand looking back at Juju, he was supposed to go with him. So it's 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 a rookie mistake. They knew those were going to come. Um, I think it matters less in a game that you didn't have a chance to win. And I think maybe uh, they never said this out loud, but it felt like they were trying to prepare us for the possibility that they were not going to win a- as many games or not be have, the, have these kind of chances. Well, it, it mattered today, the inexperience and the, and the youth in the secondary. And I thought that I thought that Stafford took advantage of them. Yeah, I think the secondary is one where you could absolutely talk about how they set this team up to struggle. Is that when I get to my villain, I think it's a little bit a little bit different. But like the secondary had Stephon Gilmore, he asked for a trade, so they traded him. They had Isaiah Rogers, senior, gets popped for gambling suspension, and they didn't replace him. And there were guys out there, veterans, the type of guys who would you would not expect to have the type of rookie mistake he just laid out with Juju Brents of doubling the same guy with Kenny Moore and leaving the leading receiver on a team wide open across the middle of the field. There were guys that they could have gotten who wouldn't be in their second career game uh, playing that spot, but they chose not to. So I, I do think the front office kind of set that part of this loss up. Uh, my villain is the the offensive line just because it's like you said, they didn't mean to. They had two backups in there. Uh you know those guys are doing the best they can, but against Aaron Donald, the best you can is not nearly good enough. And it was not nearly good enough today, as Donald moved all over that front like we knew he would from you know left side, right side. He went over both guards, and I, I just saw him win pretty much everywhere. I saw him beat Blake Freeland with power. I saw him really the power was there all day. Any time he got beat, Quit Nelson one on one, he'd get double teamed by the uh, French fries combination of Wesley French and. Will Fries and um, he got through there. He would run people over. He would, uh, and that's where I just give Anthony Richardson credit for surviving that. Is it was just one sack for Aaron Donald today, but he he wrecked that game. And just this is you know this is another area of shortcoming for the front office where I give them a little more leniency because there aren't that many teams around the league that have good O line depth, but they still could have tried it a little bit more. Tried more to make theirs better than what they did which was just spend a fourth round pick on Blake Freeland and really not do anything at the other spots as far as bringing guys in who could help this team out and so uh, that's what was unfortunate is Blake Freeland you know he had a tough day but it's kind of I mean it's kind of natural he didn't find out till Friday that he was going to play this game he has mostly played on the right side that we've seen. He's out there starting at left tackle, and he's going up against Aaron Donald. So, like, what what was supposed to happen in that situation? So they're the villain, but they were kind of unfortunately set up to be the villain by both bad luck with injuries and kind of the setup for the, for the front office. Nate gave us two villains, although I guess I kind of did too. 
Yep. Both. Offensive line, secondary. No, no, no. The 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 two villains is the the second the 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 lurking villain is the the front office for putting them in oh. that spot. That's true. It's a very like MCU thing. Like there's a there's a, a an obvious villain and then a lurking villain who's behind it all. Yeah, I like that. It was like <laughs> <laughs> there's there's one that means well and the other one. <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> going. Oh on. man! Oh, whoa, oh, Nate, getting, getting, getting dark with that. Let's let's go to hero of the game. Moving on to hero of the game, category wise, uh, I'll let you go first. <laughs> hero, see, uh, so this is where I get all mixed up. It's now hero of the game in a game they lost. Yeah, well, I mean, um, this one's this. I yeah, that this makes sense. An easy one. I think I threw you an eighty mile an hour yeah, fastball. Yeah, you sure did. Um, and right now your knees are buckling. You got to come through on this. It's Anthony Richardson. There um, you go. <laughs> Anthony let him back. I kind of laid that case out already, but uh, that was exciting. It was fun to watch upside at the quarterback position, fun to watch the kid gloves come off of him, which is interesting to me. As before, we've seen him just kind of running the game script, which has been, I thought, it feels almost more like a game plan they have for Gardner Minshew, where it's balls out of the hands quickly, it's short depth of target, it emphasizes completion percentage, but doesn't really tap into his elite skills as a scrambler or throwing down the field. And we saw that today once they got down so much and got out of the script and really had no choice. And it was fun. It was, he created explosive plays to Mo Alec Cox and Alec Pierce. I love the throw to Alec Pierce where he sort of got flushed out and the play would be dead with most quarterbacks. And he's throwing as he's sort of jumping and giving Alec Pierce a chance, the kind of thing I'm, you know, I wanted to see them do in Baltimore, but they didn't have number five out there and they did today. And so you know, in the red zone, you just saw how lethal he was between you can run it in a draw or he can pretend to, to run it and someone breaks open on a throw. So the makings of the, the high upside that eventually they want to get to with Richardson, I thought were all there today. Of course, it was raw in moments when, you know, he's, he's a rookie learning to to do all this and um, has to get more consistent and hasn't played very much with these guys around him. But I thought as far as making plays uh, – he did the best job of anything anybody so far this season for the Colts. I'm I'm masterfully setting this up so far, so I get to do what I want. The hero of the game for me was Dio Dengbo. Um, I let you have the I let you have Anthony Richardson, so I could use Dio. Uh, seven tackles, a sack and a half, four quarterback hits. This is consistent pressure from Odengbo all day. Uh, a forced fumble, a pass broken up. One one of the things he did really well. The Sean McVay. Kyle, uh, Kyle Shanahan style of offense. They like to run a lot of those boots. Um, and basically every time, like the Rams kind of had to stop doing it because every time they did, it was putting Stafford in Daiho Dengbo's way. Um, he, he did a really good job against that, did a good job rushing. Um, on a day that it was, on a day that the, the pass rush was struggling a little bit, uh, I thought they actually could have used more Dio. Um, they, 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 this is going to, this is going to bleed into my next one. So I'm just going to, we're just going to go right into my unsung villain too, as we in the same answer. But um, they they played Taven Bryan a lot in lieu of DeForest Buckner, who's dealing with groin and back injuries, and was on a pitch count, playing uh, mostly on third downs. I I thought they could have played Dio there. He played mostly defensive end on first and second down. Down, his body type is like Buckner's. He was much more productive today. Taven Bryan had two tackles. Um, really struggled against the run. That's why he's unsung villain for me. I mean, the, the drop off from Buckner to him in the run game was enormous. Um, but but Dio Dengbo with a really big day numbers wise um, on a day that it was pretty tough for most of the pass rush. Um, so there you go. You get two categories in one answer: hero and unsung villain. Who's your unsung villain? Mm. Dio's a good answer for that. Uh, my unsung villain. I'm going to go with Michael Pittman Jr. I was surprised looking back at this. One catch for 15 yards. That was it. On five targets. You know, and he had that play down the field in the end zone. It's I'd have to go back and watch it, but it felt like he got his face mask sort of smacked. And, but I don't know if it was gra- – who was it like last week when it was ripped off? Um, he was upset. He wanted a flag on that play. It felt like he could have caught that. I think this is where you're going yeah. with this, right? This is like, it he, felt like he, he can could work and through these should things. have caught that. Yeah, there's a lot on his plate. There has been since he got drafted. But there's times when he's got to rise above that. Last week he did that in Baltimore is through that, you know, that face mask that wasn't called. He made that 37-yard catch. He didn't make that kind of play today. And on that 
moment I thought he could have. He had a chance to. It's hard for sure, but that's the standard he holds himself to is being a number one wide receiver and, and being a playmaker. And just it's just hard. Just didn't find a way to to impact the game today when you know it wasn't going to be a high volume passing day. But there still were. You know, when Richardson would scramble out, he's looking for guys. I just thought at some point there was going to be a moment where he found Pittman and Pittman made a play, and they, they could have used it, obviously, that three and out at the end of the game too. So there's just there's a little left out there from their number one wide receiver that when you're looking back and you say, you know, they, they ultimately lost a game, you know, one quarterback's a lot further along than the other. You've got to help the rookie out. You know, I think he could have used a little bit more help today. Unsung hero. I'll just throw it right back to you, unsung hero. Let you go first on this one. I'm gonna go with Matthew Stafford, who. Uh, oh wow, I'm, non-cult, bold uh, move. I'm just, <laughs> I just got to give some props to Stafford. I like giving props to the other team sometimes, and uh, really, that's is all the stuff I'm saying about Anthony, where he showed the upside, but maybe the you know the details, the consistency weren't there. We saw in Stafford the sort of inverse of that. Um, of course, yes, the Colts made it easy at times with their coverage not being good, but Stafford puts people in a blender when you try that. Is just a lot of respect for him, the the defensive players I talked to in the locker room of just, you know, they, they didn't make it hard enough. Just mentally, the pictures they were showing him pre and post snap, and, and when you do that to Stafford, he's he's going to figure it out, and he figured it out. And uh, I just found a way to lift them. And, and, you know, the Stafford I covered in Detroit, we saw that here today with that shot he took looked like it would pull almost anybody out of the game and he's just sort of limping out there and very classic Stafford he threw a pick on the very next play which is kind of what he does he just plays through things and will just throw a ball out of anger sometimes and uh <laughs> and sometimes it leads to mistakes like that but he bounces back from mistakes too you know was able to lead the game winning drive and um just give him props to him because I've covered a lot of his games and this is probably the last one in person that I'll cover uh, because he's getting up there in age, and the Colts don't play the Rams very much. And unless they meet in the Super Bowl, I don't know if I'll see it again. So I just want to give a little shout-out to Matthew. Nate making a bid for unsung villain of the pod by going with the Rams quarterback for his unsung hero. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, my unsung hero of the day, um, Drew Ogletree, when they needed to have him or when they needed somebody big in on the potential game-tying drive Drew Ogletree makes. Uh, and really just late in general. He ended up with it's three catches. I'm struggling on the yards. 48, which is three catches for 48 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the touchdown, honestly, was the easy catch. The other two were the hard ones. But just a, a big game from him, uh, or a big, a big, really a big fourth quarter for him in, in ma- making, bi- making uh, those catches. They needed something from the tight end position. They actually got quite a bit today. Uh, three for 48 from him, Kylan Granson, two for 24, and then obviously Mo Cox with a big 35-yard touchdown. Um, so they got something from the tight end position. But Ogletree coming up big for for uh, Anthony Richardson down the stretch, unsung hero for me. That brings us to – Did you think that coming into the game that the lead, the player who would lead the Colts in catches, yards, and touchdowns was Drew Ogletree? I thought that this was – I did think that this was a game that there would be some weird stats like that. Because if you look at the way the Rams have played so far, um, passing game-wise, now Jamar Chase did have a huge game uh, for the Bengals the other night, but but outside of that, they had pretty much just limited opposing passing games to not much. Um, and so I, I did think that there was a possibility that we might see some weirdness from the passing game. I was actually surprised that the Colts got as many explosives as they did, given the way the Rams' secondary has played um, so far this year. And... And some and the the issues they were working with at left tackle. Uh, I thought that that was that was a possibility. Um, that brings us to stat of the day, number of the day. I can't use stat of the day. That's the Dan Patrick's thing. That's Dan Patrick's thing. Number number of the day. Uh, do you have one? Oh, I don't have. I forgot to look this one up. I to pull I, one out my here. number of the day is seven point three, uh, and that's an important number. I think. Because that is the Colts' yards per dropback in today's game. I, I think that if you – there's one way to look at Anthony Richardson's game today, which is 11 of 25, and it was not perfect by any means. Uh, their last chance to score and win, I, he was really inaccurate on that on those three plays. But And you can look at the completion percentage all you want. But 7.3 yards per dropback 
in a game that they struggled protecting the passer. Uh, the reason that I think that's a big number is that last week it was 3.8. And for once, a passing game that has not really had much down the field so far, uh, and yards per attempt coming into this game for both quarterbacks was 5.9 and 5.8. Their yards per attempt was 8 for Anthony Richardson. They actually got some explosives in the passing game. I think that that number... For the second consecutive week, that number is very telling. They're, they, like It was 11 of 25. You want that to be better. But 7.3 yards per dropback is a much more doable number for this offense going forward than the 3.8 they had with Gardner Minshew in Baltimore. Yeah, that's uh, that's what we talk about with explosiveness is that you, you lose the completion percentage. That, that always factors into yards per attempt, but really it's explosive plays down the field. And uh, – they got enough of them today. They got enough of them to have a chance. That's not why they lost. It was not this uh, – in the past, it's been just the lack of explosion. Uh, and they, they found it today. So that's a good one. My number of the day is one, which is the number of passes Stafford threw to Puka Nakua that he did not catch. They threw to him ten times, and one of those was an incompletion. So he caught nine passes for 163 yards and a touchdown, which – was the difference in this game? They just there's one guy they could not cover, and the game winner was a play where they literally did not cover him, and he barreled it into the end zone uh, for a three tr touchdown. So that when you talk about secondary issues, kind of sums it up. You landed that one. You landed that one. You said one, and I was like, oh no, it's gonna. This is this is he, he dove for something and came up bad, but you landed that one. That was good. Uh, that brings us to the interlude piece. This is the game day observation. Five or three football things that gave me joy. Game day observation for me. You can always get me in any sport, in any stadium, with the game they play where they uh, show like fictional characters and then <laughs> and then the uh, the people afterwards. I, 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 like you can play that all day. I, I would gladly I would gladly be the butt of one of those jokes. I did think there was one issue. There's one issue today. They had Carl from Up on the screen. Carl has very white hair and very bushy eyebrows. And they showed an older gentleman who, uh, you know what? We're just going to say his hair hasn't gone gray yet. I'm not going to make any guesses as to why there's still some blonde in his hair. Uh, but there's some blonde in his hair. You got like, let's. If you're going to put Carl up there, I I need white hair uh, from your picks. Also, also uh, using Sully from Monsters Inc. They basically went with guys with just with guys with big beards. I thought, just just saying they could they could maybe get a little bit better. But flip side. Uh, Using Boo, uh, they found a little girl who looked oh, yeah. exactly like her. Boo is perfect. Dead on, just like her, right down to the hair and everything. I, I love that game. You, you, like you can pl- you could do that in four timeouts, and it won't get old for me. Like I, you can just keep giving me that. It, it happens in every stadium. It's not unique. It's not something just the Colts do. But like, it's just a great game. That was a great game. I was entertained, and I will say I'll, I'll piggyback off yours for mine, which is. The the just a weirdness between that game was so well done, but then when they did the kiss cam, they just went back to the same characters that they used as, as those comparisons. Yes, one of the Sullys showed up again in the kiss cam. I there's I think they there's used a both lot Sullys. Did that. they really? Yeah. There's a lot of fan. I'm I'm kind of with you on this. There's a lot of fans in the stands. Yeah. Let's let's spread the love around. Yeah, like I, you guys gotta get, you gotta get them on payroll before you like use them that much. <laughs> so those two need <laughs> to hit up the Colts. <laughs> Uh, with their complaints because they're they're turning them into movie stars, but they're not getting paid that way. So, uh, you know, they maybe have something in common with uh, Jonathan Taylor. But um, the, other than that, <laughs> yes, I did enjoy that video a lot. I like the conspiracy theory that they're paid actors. That's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, so that'll that'll be mine. I just uh, the the kiss cam alteration to the to the Monsters Inc. stuff was pretty funny. Uh, three football things that gave me joy. We like to ping pong these back and forth. Uh, I always get to start because I came up with this. Um, just any play where there's two pulling guards in general. Like I, I don't, I don't even care if it's the right thing. I just like it. Um, it, it's like sort of like a historic. It feels historic because it's you know you grow up, grow up like knowing about the Packers sweep and stuff like that. That's not the way they used it today. They used two linemen kind of on like a tight pull. In front of Richardson, it was just a fun design. But just anything with pulling linemen, you can give me those plays. I, I don't even care if it's the wrong decision. If you have issues with it, that's fine. You, that's 
football thing that doesn't give you joy. It is a football thing that gives me joy. A, a bonus to this is using Drew Ogletree as the personal protector and pulling him across the formation on a on a read pull for Anthony Richardson. Just love that. Love the design stuff from. Love some of the blocking stuff that Shane Steichen did for Richardson today. Yeah, that's fun. I love I love multiple pulling linemen too. Uh, especially it's like Shane Steichen, of course, comes from Philly where they would pull the center all the time, and Jason Kelsey. So he doesn't quite have a Jason Kelsey at center. So do it with other players. That's pretty fun. Um, mine, I shouldn't like it because when I played high school football, I was an outside linebacker, and I spent a lot of my time slamming into pulling offensive linemen. And I, I'm from Wisconsin, so like that's what we produce is giant offensive linemen. So I shouldn't like it, but I do. I'm in the same spot because I played basically a hybrid linebacker defensive end, and you sometimes in those plays feel like, oh, they left me on block. Then they go, oh, no, they didn't. Yeah, actually. exactly. Exactly. It can be very painful. It's but, a lot worse you know, than that. It's still fun. Um, for my football thing that gave me joy, you're probably not going to like it that I'm going to take this one, but I very much enjoyed it too, was that the Rams sent a double team at Kenny Moore on one of the – uh, outside run plays. Uh, I'm not upset. You can take so, this. It wasn't going to be one line. Because we <laughs> – you you often are the one to point it out, but we're always amused at when teams will just, like, pitch the ball to Kenny Moore's side and then be shocked that he makes it – he blows it up in the backfield. Like, the blocker doesn't get to him fast enough, and or he just has – he just is so good at, at finding the right angle and, and getting around guys and blowing it up. So today the Rams are just like, we'll just send two people at you. And as long as we get that guy out of the way, it's going to work. And that, it worked well. Like the Rams, like that that cleared the way for, uh, I think it was Kyron Williams to, to rip off a run. And really, that's just, McVay just was kind of on one today. That's just one tiny nuanced example of it. But I, you know, on this pod recently, I said that, you know, I thought the run defense was the one thing for the Colts that they would always dominate. Today was the one day they didn't. And I, Attribute that to two things, which is Sean unsung, McVay, unsung villain, and to DeForest Buckner being that important to that whole thing. Because I think they could survive an injury at any of the other spots. Maybe, maybe not Grover Stewart, but most of the other spots. But not not DeForest Buckner. Number two, football things that gave me joy. Uh, I love hesitation moves where there's the where the ball carrier stops mm-hmm. it's a I, I call it the top gun hit the brakes and they'll fly right by isaiah mckenzie did it perfectly uh the cousin of this is when a receiver or when a runner is going down the sideline and somebody has the angle and they do like the um like just the one jab step inside that's the hesitation that's the hesitation move hit the brakes uh cousin i like both of them they like i just like it it makes me happy uh and, he, and especially any time it works. And it's just great that that's a tool in Isaiah McKenzie's bag because you've got to make some calculated decisions playing at that size. I say that as someone who is the same uh, height and weight as Isaiah McKenzie, maybe a little different composition, but we'll leave that for others to decide. But uh, you've got to make some good dis- business decisions out there when you're playing at McKenzie's size. Maybe Josh Downs can pick up that hesitation move too. Uh, my other football thing that gave me joy was – a play that people are going to forget about because of the way the game ended. But in overtime, the hit that Rodney Thomas laid on a receiver over the middle on a just incredible sort of teardrop pass from Matthew Stafford that I thought was going to set the Rams up with like first and goal. And Rodney just sort of shot in there when it was like a late decision to make the throw. So he's reacting to this thing and then just fires in there and just, just perfectly times up a hit to lay out the receiver, but also avoid the penalty. And Rodney's really good at that, and he's talked about, like, you know, he he's just a really sharp player for being just a second-year guy, but he's, of course, got the Yale background. But he talks about how he basically aims for, like, target ranges to hit on players based on their height and their how tall they play. And so he times this up to try to play at the fastest speed without risking a penalty, which, of course – same penalty got Kenny Moore. You just see players lose, lose in moments like that all the time with how fast this moves. I just perfectly timed for Rodney Thomas, who, uh, for the most part, outside of that last play, he he didn't really did not tackle so well. But I thought today really saved that in a lot of moments with his physicality. That was one example. And then other moments when the Rams were gashing them on the ground, he was the guy to step up and, and save it from being a really big run. So shout out to Rodney Thomas. 
third football thing that gave me joy. This is probably the closest a third thing that fo- a, a football thing that gave me joy comes to like being an actual uh, analysis of the game. So um, I apologize for violating the sanctity of the interlude. But well, that's what I've been doing. The with two. Mine, so I, 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 I'm, I'm aware. I wasn't going to point it out. Uh, but the, uh, the, the design of the inverted wishbone, the Colts coming out in the inverted wishbone, motioning into something else. Can't remember off the top of my head right now. First impressions podcast. My apologies. And then Anthony Richardson scoring from one yard out, and then the next time down there, lining up in the inverted wishbone, motioning out of it, and. Instead of running with it, throwing a pass to a wide open Drew Ogletree, like I love offensive coordinators using formational stuff to make the defense uh, essentially not know where to look, and and they made it look exactly the same. They did two different things out of it. I just loved it. Also, I, it was almost a football thing that didn't give me joy because I do want an play out of the inverted wishbone, like. Give me something, Shane Steichen. You can you can earn yourself another spot on this if you give me something out of that later in the season. But but I the the, the way those two, it's sort of like when you're watching baseball and they show the pitch overlay and like the guy's fastball and the slider come out at the exact same time, so there's no way for the hitter. Like that's the same thing for me. Is like when you come out in the same formation, motion into something and make the defense go, oh, they're gonna do this thing again, and then it's not that thing. That was fun. I do also, I sure, I want to see them run a play out of that. I'll, I'll let you ask Shane about that this week. <laughs> I'm sure that'll go over. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to talk about scheme, guys. Um, but that was fun. Uh, I guess for my third one, um, hmm, a little stretched here. So I'm going to go with there's a play that was sort of, this may have been in overtime too, it was late in the game when uh, Stafford got away from one of those uh, pressures and he looked like, He's just holding the ball forever, and it was like it looks like a play where you're just going to get crushed from behind. But what he's doing that I've, I've seen him do so many times is he's baiting Zaire Franklin with his eyes looking to a different receiver who's sort of out somewhere, and then got Zaire moving just enough to throw a sidearm back across his body to, to hit a receiver open to, to catch it with Yak. is a little bit, not quite as impressive, but a little bit reminiscent of a throw he made in the Super Bowl. Uh, a couple of years ago. So every time he does that, I have fun with because it's like playing baseball out here on a football field. Uh, but it's uh, it's very hard, very, very hard to fool Zaire Franklin with anything on a football field. But that was one moment where he did, and that was kind of fun. That brings us into the uh, sort of the, the send-off categories. And because they did not win, we are back to too much blame and too little blame instead of too much credit. Um we will start with too much blame. Too much blame. Who, who's going to get too much blame for what happened today? I mean, I think the easy answer is going to be Anthony Richardson because people are going to look at – you just pull up the box score and you say, why didn't this team win this game? And you look at a quarterback who's 11 of 25 and you think, well, there it is. Not very sharp quarterback play. But – you know, it was a mix of things. It's like I I think receivers could have helped him out a little bit more on on some of those passes. He certainly had, you know, other passes that weren't weren't great. But it just I do think a lot of quarterbacks who didn't have his mobility would have been destroyed behind this offensive line with what Aaron Donald was doing. I can't imagine if they had to play a game with Gardner Minshew uh, against Aaron Donald today. So I think for as much duress as he was under to navigate that and not throw any interceptions. While trying to come back, he did have the fumble. Uh, that was unfortunate, but basically created all the explosive plays for this team. Like he, th- this was this was not a game that really fell on the quarterback, other than the fact that you just say he's a rookie and he's not there to just be a superstar yet. But he was. Uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't be sitting back and blaming him, but that's kind of the nature of what we do, and I'm sure there are people who are. My my initial thought on too much blame is that if you go back, at, I think if you go back and look at this game. That there was that the pass rush was better than had a better day than people think. Uh, th- there were a lot of plays that Stafford did have a lot of time, but I, I think Samson Epicom had a really good day um, rushing against the backup tackle. He didn't get home for a sack, but I, I did think that some of that, a lot of that, was Stafford driven. Dio Dangbo had a great day. Um, I, I just there were a couple of pressures 
There's one specifically down in the red zone that I know they called and and it was going to work. It should have worked, but the the receiver was wide open. I, I just think the pass rush. I think the pass rush with better coverage would have had a much better day. I, I could be wrong on that. That was just my initial. That's the whole point of the first impressions podcast. My first impression was the pass rush was better today than I think people are going to give it credit for, and I think definitely better than the numbers. I think they had two sacks. Um, well, I mean, they have them for nine quarterback hits. That's a lot of quarterback hits. Uh, I, so I would say that I would say that that maybe backs me up. Like if you're blaming the pass rush, it it might be giving a little too much blame. And I saw people blaming it, so that's a good choice because they they were affecting it. They were hitting him. They just he's really good under pressure, and also like it, you know it's hard to finish it with a sack if there's always a guy open once you decide you're going to throw the ball. Too little blame. Too little blame for me. This is this is going to be the only time we really touch on this. The the running game outside of Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richard, the Anthony Richardson running game was great. I thought outside of the fumble, um, every, everything else was pretty dynamic. There was a, for a long time it was the only offense they had, but Zach Moss ended up with 18 carries for 70 yards. It was 3.9 uh, per carry. I thought there were a lot of runs in there that were for nothing essentially, especially early in the game. Um, you know, it, it – and I was expecting more, honestly, just based on based on what we'd seen from the, the Rams previously. This was a, a Rams team that really – the only numerical hole, like the early – not I mean, out of the – I would say out of the, the traditional stats, the numerical hole in, in the Rams' defense was the yards per carry they'd allowed specifically to running backs because they hadn't really played a running quarterback yet. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 18 of 70, he had a 20-yard run. That means they had 17 carries that went for just 50 yards. I thought that they – and I think this – the reason I said running game and not Moss is, you know, I think that Wesley French, um, the, 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 the Blake Freeland, the backups they had on the offensive line probably contributed to it. But just this is a defense that has given up some yards per carry to running backs. Not a great day from, the, from that part of the running game today. I think in terms of some of the offensive issues, I would say too little blame for that. Yeah, that's the closest one I was going to go with. I'm struggling to find any other because it feels like the blame is pretty appropriate here, and we grouped so many people together on some of this offensive line and secondary and whatnot. Um, Yeah, I just – I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say – Matt Gay for missing a field goal. Um, he was the hero last week, so it's a high, high bar to meet, but um, that could have mattered. If they have the 47-yard field goal, in theory, uh, then when they score, at the, when they hit the ogle tree, it's a game-winning touchdown. Yeah. Um, a little bit erased because Brett Maher missed two. Yeah, so that's the thing. A little bit. Was but but I, I, like, I, th- I think it's still valid. I mean, if, if they have that 47-yard field goal, it's a different game. So I think too little blame is probably good. There. Well, if and if he hits that and Mara misses two and the Colts win, I mean, it's an easy storyline to be like, Rams let their kicker go. Yeah. Colts picked him up. What was the difference in the game? Like, they, that could have played out that way. Look, Matt Gay deserves his flyers for last week. That was incredible. He was going to miss a field goal. It's a, it's not an easy kick. It shows you he is human after last week. But, um, it, you know, in, in these tight games, it doesn't matter. One take to throw away uh take to throw away a takeaway from this game that you can toss i i think i think for me um i, I thought of one but i'll let you go now i i think for me just I can't tell really if this is like a real thing or not. Um, the starting quarterback of this team should be Anthony Richardson. I, I don't even feel like I need to. I don't even feel like I need to keep like defending it, but I keep seeing it. Like the starting quarterback is and should be Anthony Richardson. And I, I nothing I saw the last two weeks changes that. Despite no. what I'm seeing, I don't. I don't. I really don't fully understand the argument. 
uh, the other way. I, I don't I don't get it. I mean, you just laid out the last two weeks. Your number of the game was the yards per drop. Yeah, back. it doesn't make sense. And to it's me. double this week than it was last week. It's very different in terms of if you're all about you know just completion percentage, but because like the thing is like I think people are saying like it's more efficient, but it's not. Like efficiency yeah. is yards per attempt is efficiency. yeah exactly right like it, completion percentage matters if you're getting yards and moving the chain like last week. The Colts did not have a good passing game in that game. In fact, if they had lost to the Ravens, that would have been the number one culprit. I, I just I don't I don't get it. That's take that goes away for me. Like, I, and I don't think I don't think it's a, a mainstream take. I don't think it's what most people are saying. I just don't understand it. On its face, it doesn't make sense because again, Anthony Richardson was the the number four pick in the draft. The the most important part of this season. Everyone has acknowledged this from the start is developing Anthony Richardson for the future and what he ends up being long term. And everyone has said he needs to play. I there's I just don't I just don't see the argument. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Unless I'm unless you're you. just still stuck on this guy had to sit, this was what he had to do. I mean the Colts don't believe that. I've got nothing. I it's it makes no sense to me. And he's making enough plays to show that that's not. I mean, if was, if he went eleven to twenty five, but they never got in the end zone or had a lot of turnovers, you could make that argument that this is too much for him. But he came back from twenty three down, you know, against. I st- I think there's a pretty good Rams team. I think they're going to contend for the playoffs, not without flaws, but like it's too much to too much to just expect that of a rookie, unless you had a backup on the team who was definitively better but they don't so i agree um as my take to throw away i've seen some people get really upset with gus bradley in this game when it comes to uh you know the way that the yards they allowed to stafford especially to nakua you know i made him a villain a couple weeks ago for not playing juju brents they made that adjustment but that doesn't mean that it like there's going to be some things he can't solve this year which is really young corners who are going to get beat by experienced passing games. I'm I'm sure when we go back through the film, there were things they could do better. Of course, it's always the case when you lose. But the thing about it is I, th- I think people wanted him to blitz Stafford a lot more. Um, I don't think that would have gone very well for them because they, they – I mean, they had open receivers a lot. Yeah. Like I – Adding would have more, had more open. Uh, yeah, right. Adding more rushers to the to the pass rush makes it easier. I know. I saw that a lot when Stafford was hobbled, and people thought this is where you blitz him. And I'm like, this is a guy who's going to get the ball out of his hands blazingly fast in those situations. The whole reason uh, that it his time to throw wasn't as crazy high as it normally was is that they didn't blitz. Is that they made him sort of hold it at first. Uh, but, you know, he eventually could extend plays, and then a guy breaks open. The Colts' secondary is not good enough to cover that way. Pretty much this, it's built this, – this defense is built through the roster to where the, the pass rush has to win it and to, to send extra blitzers where, you know, you're sending a safety in there. If you're blitzing Julian Blackman, you know, like the, the Colts did it more against the Ravens. The Ravens also didn't have anything outside wide receiver at all. This game – Nakua and Atwell, I mean, they were gonna they were gonna toast them if they tried to blitz. I've seen teams try that as an answer to Stafford before. What's better is you you try and rush with your guys and hope they win. It was a smart proposition. They, like the matchup suggested, the Colts were gonna win that. I, I guess you could say maybe you adjust it a little bit when DeForest Buckner can't be out there. But the pass rush was not the problem today. The problem is they can't cover people, and if they blitz more their people they're going to cover them less so i I've, i'm not saying gus was perfect i'm sure i'll go back and there'll be things i disagree with but i i didn't consider him as the villain of the game because if we're blaming the coordinators and the, the design of the defense on young corners getting roasted by veteran passers and domes i mean that's you're going to be upset all season long i just think you have to be realistic take to go on this is the the last thing we like to leave you with it just because of the name. It's the take to go on. It's the take to, to chew on as you as you move on into the next week. Your take from this game that's going to continue coming up as the season progresses. I think we've got a new version of Anthony Richardson that's going to pop up 
more and more new in terms of what we've seen him with the Colts. So we've talked a lot about the lack of explosive plays for this offense coming into this week. I've thought they've in the game script, they've been very conservative with him today. That kind of was true, but a little different. They were running him more design runs was their version of safe plays over just the very short throws. Uh, but we saw when they got de- – it took them getting down to bring it out, but we saw them tapping into that upside, letting Anthony go out there and make plays the way he used to. You know, when he played in, in high school, he would do that all the time. At Florida, he tried to sort of force himself into being more of a pa- pocket passer uh, when he was a starter, but when he was a backup and he would check in, he would you know rip off huge runs. He would go down the field. He would scramble and, and make something happen down the sidelines. I think we're going to see more and more of that because – I think he's just going to be a little empowered from this performance and over the course of the season to make things happen. I think he's going to be in this spot. It's not going to be the only time that they're down two scores with the secondary they're playing with. So I think we're going to see more and more of that uh, that version of him. And it's you know I don't think they'll keep uh, the kids' gloves on all the time because I don't think they can afford to. Uh, maybe it'll be different if they get you know, a certain running back back and they, they can play from in front. But I think we're going to see more moments where they're down and it's going to become a little bit more like we're going to see them unleashed because you're down anyway and you feel like it's time to do it. And maybe that even happens in the normal flow of the game when they really need to get explosiveness in their offense. But we saw today the one route they have to really creating big plays, which ends up being the most important thing to winning a game, and that's unleashing Anthony. I think today was a start. My take to go on uh- – the lack of depth, I think, is going to keep coming up. Um, the lack of depth in certain spots, the lack of, an ex- of lack of experience in certain spots is going to keep coming up. One place I think it's already that we're already going to be on watch for is at cornerback this week. You know, uh, Dallas Flowers got injured. I saw him on crutches in the locker room afterwards. Don't know any anything more than that necessarily, um, but you know, the, the assumption is that he's probably going to miss some time. Uh, they've already moved off of Daryl Baker Jr. He was inactive. He probably he probably is back in the mix, just based on who they have available. Maybe it's Jalen Jones and Juju Brents, but Baker's going to be active again next week. Uh, Brents, I think, was a little banged up at the end. Um, Steichen didn't mention him in the injuries, but I think he was a little bit banged up at the end. That that's a spot that was young and inexperienced already. And if there's injuries there, it gets real thin real fast. Uh, if there's more stuff on the offensive line. I think that's going to keep coming up. Uh, an injury at wide receiver, like they 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 are having trouble at times, especially with Richardson as the like in terms of getting the ball to their outside receivers. The an injury there, I think, would compound that to either Pierce or, or Pittman. Um, I I actually think an injury to Josh Downs would compound the issues there too. I, I think there's a drop off from him to McKenzie. Um, I, the depth thing, I think, is going to keep coming back up. They 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 decided that this was a transitional year, and they weren't going to make a lot of moves for depth. I think it's going to keep coming back up as we as we keep going. I think one of the areas we really showed today was at defensive tackle, where DeForest Buckner's active, but he's on a pitch count, and there was just a big drop off. I really think is. I the thing I would like to see there is. My, like my understanding of Taven Bryan is that for most of his time in the NFL, he has been like he has some quickness. He can do some things in the passing game. I do not think he has really ever been a like thought of as a top tier run defender, no, or first and second down defender. Which make which honestly makes him a little bit of a weird fit as a guy to spell Buckner because if you're going to spell Buckner, you would prefer to spell him on first and second down, given how important he is to the pass rush. And and the the attention he draws in the pass rush, they moved him to the outside today, and the double team got there really fast. Um, but if going forward, if DeForest Buckner is going to have to miss time, I think there are other options. I think you could play Dio some there. I think you can play Taekwon Lewis some there. Maybe Taekwon's a little bit lighter. I don't know. We'd have to see him in the run, but like Dio for sure. And then Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson is the backup nose to Grover Stewart. He doesn't really play three technique, doesn't have quite the same get off. But in a situation where a team is running the way the Rams are running in the first half and you're you're getting pushed off the ball, like you could you can give him like play him and Stewart together on first down. You know? I, I think that uh, I think that there's there's probably some opportunities to do that. It that was my biggest thing there, is like 
you know, Brian really struggled, I thought, today in the run game. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's there's some other guys. There's some other guys you can use there. Yeah, and, and when you're down to, like, non-studs, like the more you rotate, the better at that position, the more fresh they are. Um, so limiting Brian to the snaps that he's built for, which would be passing downs, and limiting the overall number makes sense. Uh, so they do have to do some different different stuff there. And it's weird because I feel like defensive line is mostly the area. I think they have the depth. It's just DeForest Buckner is such a high – you know, high caliber player that it just it, it's a big drop off from him from him to someone else. And again, it really only matters because we're expecting that like we're expecting that unit to carry the secondary. So it's really kind of asking a little bit much out of their depth. But it's hard today didn't make me feel like it's enough to overcome some of those things. Uh, at least it, those defensive tackle spot. I think maybe in the edge where Taekwon Lewis can factor in and Dio. They may be fine there if they have an injury, but defensive tackle, uh, we learned kind of how valuable those guys are. That brings us to the end of the First Impressions Cover 2 podcast. I ask you to gird yourselves, get ready. There's going to be Jonathan Taylor developments this week. It's been a probably somewhat blissful quiet and quiet couple of weeks here. Jonathan Taylor stuff is going to happen. Uh, just, Just, you know... Be ready, you know. Take your breathers where you can get them. We're gonna we're gonna be covering it. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is eligible to come off the pup this week. We'll be paying attention to that as that happens. Uh, reports indicate that they plan to activate him to start his 21 day window this week for the Colts Cover Two podcast. I am Joel A. Erickson. This has been Nate Atkins. Get some rest. The Taylor Fury is coming. <laughs>